0: Chapter 18 of The Death Ship. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Death Ship by William Clark Russell. Chapter 18. The Death Ship Must Be Slow at Plying. I stood a moment or two at the door watching the clock whilst it struck and greatly admiring the workmanship of the skeleton that rose and speared with his lance keeping time to the sonorous chiming which sang with a solemn interval between each beat the great age of this timekeeper was beyond question but the horn that protected the face of it prevented me from perceiving if there were any maker's name or date there as the skeleton sank, I could not but admire the patness of the mechanism to the condition of the ship and her crew. For what could surpass the irony of this representation of death perpetually foiled in his efforts to slay time, which was yet the case of vanderdecken and his men, whose mortality was constrained to an endless triumph over that force which drives all men born of woman through nature into eternity? The parrot hanging near, I stayed yet to look at her and then spoke to the creature in my rugged dutch but to no purpose with the slow motion of her kind she contorted herself until with her beak uppermost she brought her larboard eye to bear full upon me and so fixed and unwinking was her stare that i greatly disliked it nay felt that if i lingered i should fear it and was going when she brought me to a stand by a hollow ha 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 just such a note as fancy would give to the ghost of a Dutchman, who had been large, fat, and guttural when alive, could the spectre of such a one laugh in his coffin or in a vault. The age which this bird had attained made her mere appearance chilling to the blood, though I am aware these creatures are long-lived, and that no man with certainty could say they might not flourish two hundred years and more. She was not bald. All her feathers were sound and smooth yet as i made my way to my cabin it terrified me into downright despondency to conceive of this parrot sharing in the curse that vanderdecken had provoked for if this soulless fowl could be involved in the general fate merely because it happened to be in the ship why might not my lot prove the same oh my heart to think of becoming one of the crew partaking their horrid destiny and in due course dying to live again accursed and miraculously my soul as theirs existing in my body like one of those feeble lamps with which the ancients illumined their tombs but i was young and was not without an englishman's courage i could gaze backwards and perceive in my life no sin such as should fill me with remorse and hopelessness in a time like this i believed in my creator's goodness and reaching my darksome cabin i knelt down and prayed and after a while recollected myself and felt the warmth of my former spirit i was mighty pleased to recover my own clothes they gave me back the sense of my being my true self again whereas the masquerading attire vanderdecken had lit me occasioned a wretched feeling as of belonging to the ship i fell to seaman's curiosity to have a good look at a ship of which there were a thousand stories afloat in every forecastle throughout the world and so i climbed through the hatch on deck dressed in the style in which i had made my first appearance the second mate Anthony erentz conned the vessel standing near the helm with his arms folded in a sullen moody posture even so as to resemble a man turned into stone vanderdecken was at the weather-rail erect and noble-looking his legs parted in the attitude of a stride that he might balance himself to the rolling deck he stared fixedly to the windward his great beard disparted blowing like smoke over either shoulder and his brows lowered into a contemptuous scowl upon his sharp burning eyes the ship was under the same canvas i had before noticed on her her yards were as closely pointed to the wind as the lee-braces could bring them but whereas in our time a square-rigged vessel close-hauled can be brought to within six points that is to say if the gale be north she can be made to head east northeast yet this ship as i easily gathered without looking at the compass lay no closer than eight and a half or nine points the wind blowing west-north-west and we lying by as close as the trim of the yards would suffer us at about south by west. In short, we were being driven at the rate of some three or four miles an hour dead to leeward broadside on. Now, as I am writing this in the main that all mariners may have a just and clear conception of the sort of ship Vanderdecken's Decken's vessel is, I particularly desire that this matter of her not being able to sail within eight or nine points of the wind be carefully noted for then you shall understand how fully with her own tackling and yards and canvas she helps out and fulfils her doom to resume neither the captain nor the second mate nor the seaman at the tiller taking the least notice of me i determined to keep myself to myself till it should please vanderdecken to address me so i got under the lee of the house where i had conversed with the captain before breakfast and gazed about it was as dirty a day as ever i remember the heavens of the colour of drenched granite the sea-line swallowed up in spray and haze out of which there came rolling to the ship endless processions of olive-coloured prodigious combers the storming aloft was a perpetual thunder upon every rope the gale split with a shriek and there was a dreary clattering of the cordage and as the vessel swang her spars to windward an edge of peculiar and hurricane-like fierceness would be put into the wind as though it were driven outrageously mad by the stubborn swing of the masts against its howling face nothing was in sight save over against our weather quarter a cape hen poised on such easy wings that the appearance of the bird made a wonder of the weight of the blast its solitariness gave a heavy desolation to the aspect of the pouring warring scene of frothing summits and roaring hollows the reefed courses under which the vessel lay were dark with wet from the showering of the sea of which great green glittering masses striking the weather-bow raised such a smoke of crystals all about the forecastle that the vessel looked to be on fire with a steam-like voluminous whiteness soaring there there were a few men on the decks that way muffled up to their noses but i did not see them speak to one another nor go about any kind of work they had the same self-engrossed nay entranced air that was visible in those such as the two mates and vanderdecken whom i had already observed the ship offered an amazing picture as she soared and sank upon the billows half hidden by storms of froth swept by the wind betwixt the masts with wilder screamings than a hundred madhouses could make the great barricaded tops her sprit sail topmast standing up out of another top at the end of the bowsprit she had no jaboom and the long yard after the latine style on her mizzenmast gave her so true a look of the age in which she had been built that it would be impossible for any sailor to see her and not know what ship she was none other resembling her has been afloat since the age of william the third nor is it conceivable that the like of her will ever be seen again. End of chapter 18